0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: what do you get if you mix human dna and whale dna banned from sea world
0: oh, um...
2: oh wow <laughs> <laughs> oh man um... <laughs> but i don't
1: think brett has got it yet <laughs> think think man oh oh dear if he does think... get it he's gonna the... be sickened. This is low down the um the ratings already. I can tell. Um, I mean, I'm not going to explain it. To, I'm not going to explain it, it on this podcast. I feel like we do. You know, we need to keep some kind of level of decency. Um,
2: Barretto, are you still struggling to get it? Oh, yeah. you are so sweet and innocent. <laughs> That's quite adorable. Uh let's not tell him.
1: No, let's just uh, right well, t- I'll tell you yeah, what. But- I- I- I'm gonna tell you offline, <laughs> off this <laughs> podcast. And then you'll know. But, but but actually, no, we do need you to know because of the rating, don't because
0: we? Because I, I guess I'm going to have to score it. I'll have to score it based on not knowing. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, Which means... Which maybe. means it's going to be low because it's not really a
1: wordplay. <laughs> it's not like a pun or anything, a wordplay.
0: It's going to be a two-eight. Oh,
1: wow, okay. I mean, to be um, fair, if he got it, he might well have still said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. you know, they might have gone lower. There can't even be eights. They can't all be eights. So, well,
0: Nate, where um, Meadows, what do you think? Where, you know, where would you rate it?
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, I, Meadows anyone... reaction suggested it would have been around the same ballpark. I've, I mean, it would... yeah, <laughs> I think if, if you do
2: like him being brave, Beretta, you'd have gone fairly high, but I still think I didn't like a six or a seven. Whereas okay. if you, if you don't, even though we do swear on this podcast, I think you'd have probably stuck with about where you're at. <laughs> okay. Well,
0: I'm only interested in jokes above eight now, mate. So yeah, you've said the bar so high recently. So um and like you said, you can't get them they can't be high every week. So no, that's
1: fair. Yeah, I mean we've had a good run, so you know, it just makes me have to work harder next week.
0: It'll motivate you, mate. Motivate yeah, you. Exactly.
1: I'll get I'll get to the joke gym this week and I'll be lifting some joke weights. Never mind. It's a bad <laughs> week all round. <laughs> Clearly. Let's move on, shall we?
0: Welcome to the Pad Huck, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Barretto, senior writer at F1.com.
1: And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. I'm Luke Saunders from ESPN.
0: Well then, chaps, there's only one topic of conversation for today's podcast. I'm delighted Clancy to wins. say <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you read my script, Nate. Yeah, sorry, I,
1: I I forgot who was hosting. <laughs> sorry, do it again, do it again. Go, go on here.
2: <laughs> well, before Baku, it's got to be, hasn't it? Like, to be fair, that's very topical. Nate. No,
1: Maddis, we're not doing a podcast. Like, oh, <laughs> we're not going that we... way.
0: Oh. No, Maddis. Well, you'll hear that Chris Medlin's voice, because he obviously introduced himself. Um, so the question that I guess you guys all want to know, if you don't follow Chris Medlin on social media, is did he make it to indie or not? um same matters did you
2: do i answer that or do i just kind of tell you the last like five days um yeah you're right most people surely surely if someone's sad enough to be listening to us talk right now they're sad enough to have at least seen me tweet once or twice
1: also i feel like the the title of this podcast is probably going to give it away (laughs) either way so not that we know exactly what it is yet but whatever we do it will say so Uh, i
2: did make it yes I got to Indy, but I got there late, very late. Well, it's very medland like then. It is, yeah. It's uh, it's bang on. But it was the thing is as well, it wasn't none of it, genuinely none of it was my fault, which isn't like Normally I'm to blame for being late because I'm just lazy or, you know, try and sleep in a bit too long or try and cram in too much stuff. But to go to Indy uh, meant traveling from the UK to America and America's borders are closed to pretty much everyone. So you need a travel exemption which I applied for. Um, and when I applied for it, you can only do so within 30 days of travel. So I had quite a small window to do it in. And I applied more than two weeks before I was traveling. Uh, you email this address. They replied to you, say, answer all these questions. I think there's 25 different questions. Send us documentation that backs it up uh, and we'll, we'll see if uh, you can travel. And I could apply for an exemption because I'm a journalist and journalists were allowed to uh, go and cover big events and things. So I sent everything back they needed. Uh, the following day from when they would first contacted me and I thought great I had everything there wasn't a gap in there I was like yeah I'm pretty confident that they'll provide me with the uh, exemption and then they also say don't chase us up like if you need to know how it's going like don't chase us up we can't give you an update you're gonna have to uh you're gonna have to just sit and wait and we'll get to you as soon as we can so I'm like cool and I play by the rules
1: as you guys know I'm you know
2: don't I maybe no no so,
1: sometimes no no <laughs> I, three, I just gave you all three answers and you can delete when you words, it. Just, just put in whichever one fits yeah i might
2: do that with all my uh, every time <laughs> i ask you guys a question just to make it make me look better um so i waited i didn't chase them up i was like right i'll see what happens and uh you got closer and closer to the time that i needed to leave and i was like uh I still haven't had confirmation yet and i was flying on wednesday to get a wednesday evening ahead of media day thursday Card day on friday and uh jess was going to be going as well for some of her work and she applied for an exemption on the sunday night so very late because she got confirmation late monday morning they replied to her saying no you haven't got an exemption for certain reasons of esters and visas uh so i thought oh they do reply then pretty quick where's mine so i got to lunchtime on tuesday bear in mind i meant to fly wednesday morning and i'm like they haven't responded yet i need to know so i so i do the uh cardinal sin that they said not to and chase them up and they reply saying you never sent in your application. We never had anything from you, uh, which I quite clearly had and could prove. So I sent, went straight back to them. I was like, no, I did. Here it is. Like, I sent it in on this date um, and resent it as a new email as well to make sure. And then emailed them separately saying, can you just confirm you've got it? And I got nothing back from them. They were silent. So I had to cancel all my travel and hotel and everything for Wednesday. Um, and then Wednesday, I heard nothing Thursday morning so wednesday night i chased them up again get nothing thursday morning i just have an email saying yep you're good to go like it's approved so once they had seen it it was 36 hours but uh yeah apparently they'd missed it the first time so i rebooked everything for friday problem with traveling at the moment is you need covid testing done and i'd got a covid test on sunday before leaving monaco that counted which allowed me to travel on wednesday and then I'd have my day two test for returning to the UK on Tuesday that I was like, well, that's fine. That will let me fly on Friday if needed, because you have to have had a test within 72 hours of leaving. Uh, and because I didn't fly on Wednesday, it meant my Sunday test expired. It was, wasn't was useful anymore. So I'm there waiting for my Tuesday test result. And at seven o'clock on Thursday night, having rebooked everything, and been like oh, I'm going, I still don't have the test result, which would have meant I couldn't fly. So. I was panicking again on thursday night i was gonna have to cancel everything in fact i did cancel my hotel because that was that was about to like charge me uh and then about eight o'clock at night i finally got the email with my results and i was good to go which you would think was be the end of the drama and i just travel on friday but i then get to the airport two hours before the flight and they go to check me in and say no you don't have a travel exemption and i had the letter that said or the email that said that they'd granted me it but i had to go to a customs official who said yeah this happens pretty regularly that they screw it up. It's at the embassy's end, that they've got this wrong, um, and we now have to chase them. So I was stood at the airport for an hour while this guy was calling people at embassies and different officials trying to get me approved for travel and entry into the US. And I remember I dropped – like, I was finally allowed to drop my bag and go through with 50 minutes before the flight. So I ended up as the last person onto the plane um, and just made it. And at that point, it was all fine. But then I bombed it down to Chicago in my hire car, to pick up my credentials on Friday evening. I was told the credential office shut at six, got there at half five and it was already closed. So I couldn't even get in. So I might as well have shown up on Saturday, but it meant I was there. I made it. I can see you're both delighted with that story. You, you're thrilled.
1: More, well, delighted, more delighted you got to the end of it. I'm going to be honest. With you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, it does sound just from your Instagram and social updates. It was like, cause at one point it was like, well, I thought oh, that's, that's such a shame that matters can't go. Yeah. Um, and then the next day you're like lads it's on and then we we were all like we both sent you congratulations message like it might be off again <laughs> I was like, what, yeah. I, what yeah. the hell's going on so it was um it was quite entertaining to kind of follow
0: that's what i loved is that i felt we were living the whole experience with Medlin through this whatsapp group because every single time there was just a little bit of news he'd like drip feed it through and we would obviously reply very excitedly and then he'd always taper it with some sort of misery at the end which is very <laughs> medlin like <laughs>
2: I was, I was pretty sure it was all going to go wrong. Um, I wasn't letting myself believe I was actually going. So then when I finally got there and I couldn't get in, I like, couldn't get my credentials, but fortunately um, they're very helpful and someone made a call and just told them
1: to let me in at the gate so I could go and join this McLaren event. That was very cool. When um, you're on the plane, have you seen Argo, the film? No. You know, when they're, so they're leaving Iran, they finally got on this plane and they're you know, chased down the runway. I know I'm not comparing what this to what you did, but there's a bit <laughs> where they have to get, the plane has to get out into international... Uh, airspace before and but it could be turned around before that so they all sat there like in silence like oh are we gonna get out of here sorry spoiler alert by the way if no one's seen I'll um, <laughs> oh, don't, don't tell us if they get out of there or not no no I won't but there's a you know it's tense so I, I imagine you were sat there like is this you know maybe they're gonna turn this plane around they'll be like the embassy calls up like hey is Medland on that plane he is turn that plane around bring him back no exemption well, for him well before we get to actually good stuff that anyone cares
2: about there are more travel woes involved with this though one, when I landed, by the way, the quickest entry into America ever because hardly anyone's allowed into the country and you just... Oh, dream. Short, shortest queue, yeah. I was about 15 minutes between getting off the plane and getting through with my bag. Um, so that all went well. Traffic was awful driving down to Chicago, but yeah. Uh, that, from Chicago, but it's not the end of the world. Coming Did you back, run out of fuel again? Well, this genuinely, this is part of the other travel woes. Coming back, I go to leave and um, there's a couple of guys that helped out. A guy called Steve Shunk, who looks after the Ball Warner Trophy. who's very cool. Um, and Dave first, you now um, works at the Speedway, but used to do TV in the Indianapolis area and was a pit reporter there. Um, and they both wanted to go for lunch. And I had time. So I was like, yeah, cool, go for lunch. And then I'll fill up before I leave Indianapolis because I have in the past, as people know, run out of fuel on the drive from Indy. I was like, I'll fill up when I leave and then fill up again when I get close. And I went to three petrol stations in Indy where they wouldn't accept my credit card because you needed to have a zip. Code a US zip code with it, <laughs> so you put it in and it's like enter your zip code and you don't have one. And I tried the five zeros or five ones, none of them worked, so I had to give up and keep driving further north until I saw a Shell, I think it was or a BP. Um, so I'd had to leave. And I was panicking at that point because I was less than uh, less than a quarter of a tank, but I managed to get that bit done. Then didn't see another one that would accept my card all the way up to Chicago, so I ended up dropping the car off short and I'll get charged a fortune. Then. On the plane, finally coming home, like all this drama, but you know, head back for quarantine time. And I've been there for the race, which we will talk about, listeners, I promise. But <laughs> we we push back, leave the gate, taxi down to like out between the terminal buildings and then turn to join one of the kind of slip roads that will take you towards a runway. And we just keep turning left and don't stop turning left and do a full 360 and drive back to the gate and park at the gate again and I've never had that happen before and I was like what the hell and uh, apparently there was a customer service issue where someone was unhappy with something and had kicked off enough that they felt they needed to resolve it at the airport and took us back to the gate and and resolved all that so I had another 45 minutes sat there being like surely they're going to let me leave but uh, yeah I thought like when Nate said um, the Argo thing about like turning something around they turned the plane around before we even got to the runway so I was like god no (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say that uh, amazing huh travel woes there we go that was this episode of, of the Hawk. hope you enjoyed
0: <laughs> now can we get to the juicy section where you talk about the 68 hours of you being at Indianapolis
2: yes what do you want to know
0: did you buy did you buy an Indianapolis t-shirt uh,
2: I did but not for me
0: oh, for Nate
1: no for um, other people okay, so, I'm afraid okay, I'm sorry did okay, come I'm back sorry. some stash um, hard oh, not to isn't it that shop is pretty cool Oh, so a lot of stuff. Then. but there were so many people um, in the way so talk I mean um I'm gonna plug one of Medlin's pieces from racer.com and it was headlined a magic more powerful than jet lag which was uh, some artistic um, <laughs> an artistic way of saying it but that was good I, like, I liked how you um kind of talked through your experience of the race and the noise maybe kind of not being what you expected to begin with but then kind of rising through the race but when like what was your first impression when you first uh, I know you've I know you've been to Indy before but on the day you have that early start. What was your first impression with all the you know the fans that were there, the buzz beforehand? So that was the weird thing, because so one I never really got the
2: the anticipation because the way I liken it is like it's like being a kid at Christmas, but being told it's Christmas on Christmas Eve. So you don't have that long build-up of like you can't wait, you're just suddenly in it. Um, because I wasn't sure I was going and then I was and I wasn't, and I got there so late. Um within, yeah. 25 26 hours of arriving at my hotel i was getting up to go to the track on race day so um i was pretty wiped and i hadn't really had time to take it in but i drove in and they um set off the cannon to say that the gates were open at six in the morning and i was just driving in at that point and they set off fireworks as well so it was like first light it was still dark really and fireworks are going off uh which is quite cool but like queues weren't too bad because they were limited um in terms of numbers it was one hundred thirty five thousand, which was 40 percent capacity but then also, there was no real infield fans, as in you, there wasn't a general admission zone uh, in the infield that there normally is. So there wasn't the traffic going in there. So I had a fairly easy entry. Had, there was a, a long security queue um, for the accredited sort of media that were going in. But apart from that, it was quite easy. So I got in quite early and sort of settled down and did a bit of work and then wandered to get, I think I went to check out the store and it was quite quiet. There was a lot of people around still for what was like 7am. And that's when I was like, whoa, this is... Crazy how early people come in and just start to soak it up. But then went wandering around, um, got some breakfast at this Honda event that they did, and came back. It was just getting busier and busier, and I thought it was as busy as it normally would be in the area that we were walking through. There was fans like everywhere, big queues of stuff, and I was kind of I said to some of the guys that were over there, uh, like this guy called Joey Barnes, for racer who was helping me out a lot. I was like, "Is this normal then? Like it here?" Uh, is it just that obviously certain parts aren't open, but because this part's is open, is this as busy as it normally would be? And he's like, "No, this is nothing. You normally wouldn't be able to move. Like you would be properly like packed in like sardines, like trying to push past people to get anywhere." Um, whereas this was very busy, but you could still yeah move and sidestep people. So uh, that that was a bit crazy to me. But then before I knew it, like drivers were going to the grid. This is where it's a bit underwhelming. They're walking through Gasoline Alley, but because of the restrictions on who could be there and where people could go it was i don't know probably about 40 people on either side of the road like flanking them so it was a real small number that would kind of like clap a little bit or cheer but only, you only got the cheer if it was someone who liked that driver basically otherwise it was just people stood around talking as these drivers walked through there was no real atmosphere to it and i felt a bit bad then because i've seen the pictures of that being packed and it, when you went nate it must have been like 20 deep i was told um So yeah, that was a bit of a shame. And then even the driver intros were a bit tame. And I think it was because for a lot of the fans, they were like just kind of soaking up being back and it was kind of new and different and following new rules and stuff. So they weren't quite as drunk and rowdy as they normally would be at um, 11 in the morning. But it was once the racing started that it, yeah, it kind of took over and and really dragged me in and the noise the crowd made. When Connor Daly took the lead, they went crazy. Um, And that was still fairly early in the race. That was the first time they made some really good noise. I was like, oh, hello, this is going to get good. And then towards the end, when Elio was scrapping for the lead, even like there was a load of Palau fans there too. But when Elio won it, it went off and they started chanting his name when he was climbing the fence. And I genuinely was like a little bit emotional because it was that that feeling of like so many people being so happy uh, and making so much noise. And we just haven't been able to see that for, what, 18 months. Uh, It was amazing. So, yeah, that was when it went from slightly
1: underwhelming to pretty overwhelming. Yeah, the post-race looked really nice, like with him celebrating on the fence and stuff. And that, to me, was, I mean, the race was, the the race I thought was great. Like it, you know, hung in the balance for so long. But, and it was similar with watching some of the football, you know, the Champions League, for example, and and the FA Cup final, you know, sorry, that's very, very UK fan references there. But um, seeing people reacting to other people winning and seeing them reacting to themselves winning with people, you kind of forget how special that is and seeing, you know, if he, I imagine if he'd done that last year and he'd done, he wouldn't have, you know, he wouldn't have been able to climb the fence. He would have obviously been overwhelmed with it, but he would have just been like, you'd have heard like every individual, like he'd have shake hands with people and you'd hear it on the TV and stuff, but you couldn't really, you know, you couldn't make it all out. So it was, it was, it was a fitting way for it to come back. I think like a historic kind of race entertaining finish had everything you wanted. And if you think about it, it'll
2: have been similar when you went, but it meant there was 135,000 people who were part of it, who could say they were there and who actually shared in that moment. Whereas, yeah, behind closed doors races, the achievement on the track is still the same, but normal people don't get that amazing life experience where they can say I was there for something when it's
1: like that. It's why I was kind of glad that, when sato won it last year i was like well at least he's won it already and he had that moment in 2017 you know he had it behind closed doors last year if that'd been your first win Mm. you thought that really sucks you know Or, or maybe it could even potentially be your only win um so the fact that he had both was kind of nice um so yeah uh i think the post for me the post race was incredible because just from in the media center point of view it was the it was the the Japanese journalists who were there obviously covering for Honda, they had not only the double whammy, you know, it, it, there was a great story from the Honda point of view, but it was Sato winning. And they finally were like, you know, and he'd obviously had near misses before. So they, and, you know, they weren't really, it wasn't like they were celebrating, but they were just hugging each other. You know, they weren't like clapping and being really kind of, some people think that's unprofessional when people celebrate, but they were just genuinely just really happy. And that I remember, and the noise around the place, like everyone was like, it's similar to what you were saying. Everyone was really happy that Sato had won. So it'd be weird to go if if someone, like, I was thinking, you know, maybe I was just looking down the list before we started and, like, Santino Ferrucci, you know, controversial figure. I wonder if he won, what the reaction would be, you know. And it's not to knock, you know, I'm not I'm not taking a dig at Santino or anything, but, you know, w- when someone has that reputation, whereas, you know, Elio, like you said, it's kind of a legend and everyone wanted him to win. Yeah, and for it to be, yeah, another full-time as well. I uh, interviewed uh, yeah. pre- the president of the
2: IMS, Doug Bowles, afterwards, and he was saying that, they were putting like the four-time winners' bricks in the other bricks. And they've only done one so far. Um, so I think they've done foits. So they've still got Alain Seniors to do and Rick Mears. But they haven't done... Um, obviously, now they've got Helios to add as well. So that was quite cool. He said they kind of needed a younger four-time winner because it just continues that history that people then talk about. Um, but yeah, you, you saw Sato and he's got two already. And there was a point he looked like he was trying to run it on no fuel on Sunday where he might even have nicked the third, which would have been pretty spectacular. But um, yeah, I can't imagine what that place must be like when it's completely full. Like it must, you must've been able to barely hear a thing when you went.
1: So the one thing that stands out, I think I I may have mentioned it on the pod before and I've told you guys, but the the thing that stands out most for me in my career as a journalist is the pre-race for Indy just because of how loud it was. And also like, you know, the, the amount of commotion there was around Alonso's car because you had so many F1 guys who'd gone over there, loads of people from you know loads of media from Spain so there's that element just around Alonso and then there was everybody else you know and there was so many different storylines that year you know Um, so just that alone and you had the the, the fully packed out place the fly you know the flyover, and I just thought this is incredible and um, it's interesting you said about the driver intros being underwhelming because for me that bit was what stood out I remembered that and I was like that's a really cool thing and I even said when when F1 said oh we're going to do similar for US Grand Prix my head immediately went to Oh well, it'll be like indie. And then Alonso, funnily enough, said that he said I think I can't remember the exact quote, but he said it was a cheap imitation of, of Indianapolis when, when F1 tried that. And he was right because it was, you know, the, the part of the indie thing is it's it's so kind of it just fits the 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 mood of the whole thing, you know, it's kind of over the top, and it's 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 why it's why events like that are so great. So um yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. And I think I think part of it, part of you going with a in the COVID era makes it kind of nice because you can say you went to that one, you know, you went to the one where it was all different and it might not have been similar to others, but people were going to look back at this one and last year's and be like, wow, how, how different were they in the history of, of Indy? So from that point of view, that's quite nice. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm glad I did it. it, it one thing it's definitely taught me is I really want to
2: do it like properly get there for the, at least a full week before, if not taking quality as well. Um, and be there when it's full, even if it means all the, extra traffic and hassle and getting up even earlier and that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's because I walked out on Sunday night and it was dark and quiet. Like it was amazing how quiet it was on Saturday as well. I had to do my interviews there on, at the track on Saturday and no one else is there. They were sort of catching their breath ready for the big day and doing stuff away from the track or taking it easy. Whereas I was flat out. And um, off the back of that, I was kind of like, this is sort of surreal. But when I left and it was just, just as quiet, I thought, yeah, this is because everyone has worked so hard for like a whole month. Um, or, you know, at least two, three weeks and it's all built up to that. Whereas I just dropped in for the, for the big crescendo at the end, they'd all gone through so much more to get there. So, um, yeah, it was, it it was one of those where I kind of realized, yeah, I want to go do the whole thing. So I reckon that'll make it a lot more. So I'm still jealous of the fact that you've, you've done a proper one.
1: Yeah, I feel quite lucky about that. But no, um, I'd love to go as a fan as well. I just want to I just want to assure all of our listeners that Lawrence Bretto is still here. I know you've had <laughs> two of us speak for so long. Uh Lawrence, sorry, that was just Madison and I kind of talking each other's ears off about Indy. That's um, because
0: I haven't had the joy yet of going to
1: Indy. Well, all the more reason for you know for us to take a pad hoc trip in the yes. future. You know, I know un- annoyingly it looks like from now on or, or going forward it will still clash with Monaco again. Um, I was really hoping this would become a a kind of a theme that keep them separate. Um, But no, it doesn't look like that.
2: Well, spoiler alert for a story I will write at some point. For um, for where We might go to (laughs) the future. But uh, Ross Braun did say that he'd kind of like it to be separate. He thinks it works a bit better that way. But I don't think he was saying it in the way of F1 will then desperately try and make that happen. Um, And it's always going to be on Memorial Day weekend. So... um, yeah, it would, it would be down to F1 and Monaco timing and stuff like that to move around. But uh, if only we had someone on the pod who worked <laughs> boy, could put in
1: a good word.
0: If only we had someone on the pod who his voice would actually be heard in, in, in those high-level meetings.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh wow! Shots fired at Laz's employers. <laughs> right, did not
0: did not mean it like that. Obviously.
2: Next <laughs> week's travel woes come from Lance Barretto, who's denied boarding <laughs> on the charter. <laughs>
1: Yeah, next week's pad hoc will just feature Nate and Chris. Um,
0: <laughs> no, no. What I you... meant obviously was I'm not part of the conversations that would would deal with this such wow.
1: these things. Well, not with that attitude, you won't be. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh God. I barely said anything in this podcast.
1: Yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad, lads, that you kind of really didn't say much. Um next one. Next next one, I'll tell you what, next one, you can you can do like 90% of the talking.
2: Well, because are you off to Baku this week, Lawrence Barreto? I am off to Baku, Chris on, on a private flight?
0: On a Formula One charter.
2: There you go. Uh, how excited are you?
0: So, uh, super excited. I love Baku. Weather's going to be great. Track's great. Uh, title fight's shaping up nicely. I can't wait to get out there.
1: Sorry, it's guys. a good venue for them to, like, take the next step after Monaco. Got Lewis kind of on the back foot coming back. It's going to be fun.
0: I think so. It's quite, yeah, quite an open track. Um, Max has obviously had a few incidents there. Yeah, so it, it, there's, there's a little bit of spice, isn't there? I think.
1: Coming and up? Lewis, Lewis messed up there in 2016. Do you Remember qualifying going up the top of the castle, which kind of ruined his. I know they had all the retirements there, but that was a big moment he could have avoided. Um, so yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm actually like genuinely think this this is there's there's been there was bad Baku. Great Baku, great Baku, bad Baku, wasn't there? So I wonder which Baku race we're going to get this year. There's never been like a lukewarm one. It's always just been great. <laughs> Is that going to be the title of our pod next week? Lukewarm Baku? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: And people are like, who's this lukewarm fella? Yeah, We'll get him on. He'll yeah. explain.
0: Well, chaps, thanks very much for doing all the talking. Um, I really appreciate and, and, it. <laughs> and sorry for us doing all, all the talking. No, yeah. Sincere apologies not all. for
2: all the travel woes that bored everyone, but the tension last week
0: well this was supposed to be an indie special wasn't it so it's a, so we kind of had to dedicate it to to people who'd actually been and also <clears throat> to Medlin, who has just had if you hadn't followed him on social media or listen to this podcast endless travel ways um thanks so much for your time guys really appreciate it you can read nate's work on espn.com chris's work on racer.com please remember to hit subscribe and follow us on our social channels we'll do this again sometime very soon
1: and they can read your work on f1.com did you say that
0: <laughs> oh, no i didn't but you can
1: yeah yeah please please do that <laughs> S- spread the love it's because you didn't get mentioned in the podcast you've just forgotten you're on it <laughs> you didn't well, get well, you didn't get much of a mention
2: it's like i don't get to speak i don't get to write i don't get to work i don't get to
1: yeah do anything. i don't get a voice i don't have anything <laughs> they won't listen to me in the meetings it's an outrage <laughs> so now they now the listeners aren't gonna aren't gonna even read me that's how it is <laughs> Well, I'm not bot. sure
0: if I deserve a plug. I don't know if I did enough to deserve a
1: plug. Look, plug. we're going to have to stop this before you completely talk yourself down, Laz. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting worried about you. Yeah. Bye. But, <laughs> yes...
0: Network.